Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Previously in our study of the book of Romans, Pastor Murphy has showed us two purposes of the law, to silence man and to bring guilt upon man. Listen as we study more about man's guilt. I would like you to turn your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 3. I would like to read from verse number 10. And then we will come to our text in verse number 19. We're reading from Romans, chapter 3, verse number 10. And then we'll come to our text in Romans, chapter 19. I want to deal this morning with the subject of human guilt. I want to talk to you very solemnly of the fact that whoever you are, whatever your name is, whatever your position might be, whatever country you may be from, whatever race you may belong to, whatever ethnic group you might identify with, repent and turn from your sins. But let's read from verse number 10 of Romans chapter 3. As it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, is saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. Now I want to point out one other thing before I begin to go further into this subject. All of us want to deal with our pollution inside. The fact that there's something wrong inside. We need to deal with that. Now Paul is going to deal with that in chapters 6, 7 and 8. He can tell you how to deal with your internal pollution. How to master the fact that sin will no longer have dominion over you. But this is not the place to deal with that at this time. Because... The real need of man is not the fact that he is polluted. The real problem of man is that he is guilty. So Paul has to deal with his guilt before he begins to deal with the pollution. Now I cannot emphasize how important that is. And when we are sharing the glad tidings of the gospel with people. Let me ask you a question. 
What would you say this morning if I were to ask you is the central problem with man? What would you say is man's greatest need this morning? What would you say? Well, do I hear somebody whisper, man's greatest need is that he be made better? Look at man, we say. Look at the squalor in which he lives. Look at the degradation. Look at the dens of iniquity. Look at the sin cities all around. Pastor, the greatest need is to clean up the ghettos and the cities and the environment. Let us put man in a situation where he is better. Can I say to you that is not the first need of man? What's the first need of man? Well, pastor, it's not the first need of man that he needs help. Is he not battling temptation and problems and difficulties? Is he not surrounded with things that seem to overwhelm him? Should we not present Christ as one that can solve his problems? And carry his burdens? Is that not what we should? I say to you, no. That's a mistake. That is not his primary need. Well, pastor, it's not his primary need the fact that man's greatest problem is himself. Do we not have to teach him how to get rid of the self? Should we not tell him how to somehow present the gospel so that his self can be dealt with? And once again, I want to say to you, that is not man's first need. And that is not the first business of the gospel. The first need of man when you presented the gospel, is to get him to understand, not that he needs help, not that he needs to improve, not that he's polluted, but that he's guilty before God. All the other things you offer afterwards. But here's how we present the gospel. Man, you got problems. You don't have problems? And this Christ will solve your problems. He'll carry all your burdens. He, 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 he's just a burden bearer. That's how we present Christ. But that's not the way of the gospel. The first thing is to say, man, do you understand that you're guilty before God? That you're a sinner before God? Until you can awaken in him a sense of guilt. If he trusts Christ just to help him carry his burdens, he's still lost. Still lost. Why? He did not come to Christ with an understanding. He was guilty in need of pardon. He came to Christ as a Santa Claus. And all he ends up with is a, a Santa Claus Christ. This is why we have to be very careful how we present the gospel. Amen. The primary need of man is an awakening of a sense of guilt. And if you don't awaken that sense of guilt, he has no need for Christ. Other than to be one that solve his problems and make him feel good. And that's not the gospel. Psychology can do that. The cults can do that. Look, man does need to be better. Man does need help. And man needs, does need to know how to deal with the self. But I want to say to you that if you make that man better, if you meet that man's needs, if you help him to show how to deal with the self, and he still has not come to the point of realizing he's guilty and needs pardon, you've done nothing. See all these other things? 
that man needs help, man needs to deal with himself, that man needs to be better, all of those are things that follow salvation. So you have to emphasize the main, let me, let me show you something. Suppose you sit down with a man and you talk with a man and you show him that he needs help, he needs to deal with himself, he has pollution, you deal with that, but you never deal with guilt. What happens if the man dies the next day? But you can deal with all the other things. Now that you're saved, let me show you how Christ can help you and empower you. Let me show you how to deal with yourself. I hope you're reading what I'm saying. And I hope you understand the mistake that we have made again and again and again. Unless we come back to Pauline teaching and understand the cruciality of the human guilt. We are putting band-aids on people. And not coming to the cancer of the problem. To deal with it. So the first thing that we need to understand. In the Christian gospel. And the presentation of the truth of the gospel. Is to get the man to understand his guilt. Before God. Look. How many people are here this morning? How many people are unsaved this morning? There are people sitting right here. Saying to you pastor. I don't get that. What am I guilty about? You'd be surprised. What am I guilty about? Why am I under God's wrath? If God is a loving God, how would he put, why would he put wrath on me? So here I am preaching and they're building castles in their minds so that the word of God cannot impact. See, That is why I say to you this morning, we need the weapon of the law. The law must be used lawfully, Paul says in Timothy. It's not for the unrighteous, uh, for the righteous man or the godly man. It's for the unrighteous. And he lists all of those people before. But what we've done, we have sold out the law. We've given it to the Seventh-day Adventists. You handle it. You handle it. That, that's not our, that, that's out of our domain. And consequently, we are preaching a truncated gospel. We are bringing people into the kingdom who don't feel guilty. Who don't even feel the need to repent. But what they want is a Jesus who can solve their problems, carry their burden, and make them feel good and happy. That's the Jesus they want. Not a, a burden bearer that takes the weight of, of the sin on their back like in, in, in Bunyan's Progress where Pilgrim is, is under load. He's burdened. You remember the story of Pilgrim Progress? How many people you know feel that sense of load any longer? They don't feel the burden that is there. Because they don't feel they're guilty before God. This is why we must deal with the whole matter of personal guilt. Now I want to explain to you why man has reached a stage now where he doesn't feel he's guilty. Because this never used to be. When I was a lad, which is many eons ago. And I went into the church and I heard the gospel preach and the word of God. I was fearful. When I heard about the second coming, when I heard about hell and wrath, I virtually almost would tremble. As a matter of fact, for many years after I became a Christian, I refused to read the book of Revelation. It terrified me. But now we have a generation that nothing, nothing at all makes them tremble. Nothing weighs them down. Nothing makes them feel guilty. 
We are in what I call a guiltless society. And here's why. One of the reasons is we have now embraced what I call the medical model of man's problem. Let me explain what that means. There was a time when people believed that man's real problem was that he was sinful. He had an evil nature. He needed God. He needed to repent. He needed the church. He needed Christ. Today, that's no longer true. Today, man is told that he's not sinful. He's sick. He's sick. Everything he does, there's some chemical imbalance. Or some external forces to himself that makes him do what he does. He's not wicked on the inside that sits down and plots. No. When he has evil thoughts and he does evil things, there's an imbalance, a chemical imbalance in him. So therefore, now if you're sick, you can't hold me responsible for having cancer. Can you? If there's a medical problem, you can't hold me responsible. And that's where the modern man is. If man is sick, and all his problems are a result of chemical imbalance and external forces acting upon him, how can I be guilty now? This is why we need to bring back the law. And we need to preach the law. Not as a means of life, but as a means of silencing man, as a means of awakening guilt in man. And as Paul says, to show in man in the next verse, what sin really is. Only the law can do that. And that was the design and the purpose of the law. So in other words, if I am sick and my problem is medical, I'm not a sinner. Therefore, I have no guilt. If I have no guilt, I don't need a savior. I don't need God. I just need a doctor. Or I need a psychologist. But I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church any longer. This is where modern man is. See? Let me show you another thing. Another reason why it is that way. It's not only because the medical model that man's problem is not sin but he's sick. But here's another problem. Everybody's a victim. Yeah. I am the way I am. Because I was brought up in a bad family. I had a dysfunctional family. My mother traumatized me in the womb. And because I was traumatized in the womb, I am now the way that I am. In other words, the, 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 the victimization. Everything that happens to me is somebody else did it to me. It's, it's somebody else's fault. That's the theory, the ideology of victimization. So I am not personally responsible for who I am and what I do. I'm a victim. Now do you understand why the Apostle Paul put so much emphasis on this concept of guilt? I don't know if you foresee the arguments that modern man would use against the, 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 uh, the fact that they are sinful. But clearly God in his wisdom understood that we would need these verses in this day at this time. Because we are living in a generation where there is a complete loss of the concept of guilt. Because they are demoting sin as the central primary problem with man. 
So how do you explain the human condition? Today, they're blaming things on temperament. Even Tim LaHaye wrote a book on the four temperaments. So if you want to know why you're the way you are, brother, find out what temperament you were born with. So because you've got this temperament, this is how you act and why you behave that way. See? But not only that, they're now linked it with addiction. Before alcoholism was what? Drunkenness. Now it's a, an addiction. It's, a, it's alcoholism. It's a, a euphemism. See. What about codependency? Very fancy word that is now being used again and again to, to explain the human condition. The toxic environment. A host of other escapist theories are being used. To explain the human condition. Everything to say to mankind, you're not guilty. There's nothing to worry about. See? And by the way, the church has allowed that ideology to infiltrate its message. And listen to the televisions. You've got a lot of positive thinking pastors on the television. You got a lot of what you call inspirational speakers. That's what they are. They're not expounders of the word. They're not people examine the word and cut the word and explain the word. No, they're there to make the people feel good. They never preach about sin and judgment and hell and wrath. That would offend the congregation, and then their ratings will go down. So we must give the people what they want. Make the people feel good about themselves. We dance them into hell rather than preach them into the kingdom. See? Now this has got serious repercussions for the church. And this doctrine of victimization where the concept of personal responsibility is virtually destroyed. It has destroyed man's kind sense of guilt. And I don't know if you know this, but guilt is being bashed right, left, and center today. Dr. John MacArthur, in his book on conscience, he said, our culture has declared war on guilt. He said, people are now saying that guilt is an archaic, obsolete relic of medieval Christianity. And it's an impediment to human wholeness and human growth. Get rid of guilt. As a matter of fact, do you know what happens if a man goes into an office a day and says, I feel guilty? This guilt is weighing me down. You know what they do with him? They don't send him to the pastor, you know. They send him to the psychiatrist. And the psychologist. And what the psychologist must do there, he must desanitize his mind of guilt and he must boost his self-image. That's the way you deal with guilt. Before you dealt with guilt by coming to the altar, confessing your sins, putting your faith in God, asking for forgiveness, and you walked away with peace. But not today. The psychologist must water down your conscience, boost your self-image, so that he might sanitize your mind of guilt. You know why? Because we are told that guilt 
is not conducive to the dignity of man's self-image. So let's deal with it. Let's get rid of it. So you see, guilt is the culprit. Man is the victim. So we must somehow get rid of guilt. Now, how do we get rid of guilt? Well, there's a, a book written by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, it's a book that was a mega seller in the 19, uh, 1970s. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was one of the blockbuster books that came out. It's called, I don't know if you've ever read it, it's called Your Erroneous Zones. Some of you might have seen it, some of you might have read it. In this book, he labels guilt with these words. Listen to what he says about guilt. He said, guilt is the most useless of all erroneous zones that man, that man is considered of. He said, the guilt zone must be exterminated and it must be sterilized forever. This is a blockbuster book. This is a best-selling book. And by the way, how do you eradicate guilt? And sterilize guilt according to Dr. Dyer. This is how you do it. Find out what makes you feel guilty. And what makes you feel guilty. Go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. See? Don't let guilt gain anything. So I, I feel guilty about sleeping with a woman. So what happened? I, I want to get rid of my guilt. So I, I go stick with her nonetheless. And tell guilt. Don't bother me guilt. Don't bother me guilt. In other words, I do wrong, and the more wrong I do, the less guilt I have. No, sir. The more seared your conscience becomes. Guilt is still there. But the problem is now that you have become desensitized. What a thing. What a thing. Do something you know that will deliberately cause you to have guilt. Just continue doing it and defy guilt. Just defy it with every unction of energy in your body. I read another article. Uh, you know these columnists? Uh, people got their problem right into the columnist and she is supposed to re write and solve their problem. One of the advice co columns was, was, with, was, was titled, It is not your fault. And let me tell you what it was about. A woman wrote a letter and she explained that she was tired of all the therapy she was going through because she couldn't break this self-destructive habit that she had. And she was trying and being unsuccessful. So she, she doesn't know what to do. I've tried therapy after therapy but I can't seem to solve this self-destructive problem. So, so tell me, advise me, what do you do? Listen to the advice. Stop blaming yourself for your compulsive behavior. It's no fault of yours. Woo! Just don't blame yourself. It doesn't matter that you have a compulsion to go into the till of the bank and take what doesn't belong to you. That's a compulsion. It doesn't matter. You, every single skirt you see, you must get under. That doesn't matter. See? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you have a tendency to, to prevaricate, tell lies. On people and slander them. 
and undermine their credibility. It doesn't matter you do that. You can't help yourself. She went on to say that heaping guilt on yourself only causes, these words, causes stress. Listen to this one. Causes low self-esteem. Causes worry. Causes depression. Causes feeling of inadequacy. And make you want to depend on others. So just completely accept the fact that whatever it is is there. You can't help yourself. So don't feel guilty about doing it. That's the psychologist for it. That's like God. Now, when you get people like that in positions of leadership, in positions of influence, people coming through their office for counsel and for advice. And this is what they're being told. No wonder we're living in a generation where there's no sense of guilt anymore. A man can walk up to you and just pow, pow, pow. No guilt. No guilt. A man can take a woman and rape her. No guilt. A man can abuse a woman. No guilt. A man can stick a, a gas station and shoot. No guilt. A man can sell drugs on the street that destroy the minds of your young people. But no guilt. They can go up there by... Forgot what is this game? 17 something. What's this again? 1735. They can get up there for a little time. They come back out. They go back up again. And right back again. It's their hotel. No guilt. And a man can look you straight in the face. And lie to you. Without even blinking his eye. No guilt. That's where we are. In modern society. And the reason we are there is because the sense of guilt is gone. And the church, I repeat, is partly responsible for this monstrous state. It has aligned itself with secular thinking. And has surrendered the law. Surrendered the law. It doesn't preach anything on the first commandment or the second commandment or the third commandment. None of the commandments you ever preach, because that's the Seventh-day Adventist thing. But it's the law that makes you feel guilty. It's the law that shuts your mouth. It's the law that lets you know what sin is. So, being fearful of being called legalists, we have tied up the law and put it aside. And all we preach is love and grace. And the people don't understand, but if you only got love and grace, why in the world do I need this Christ? Tell me. Why do I need him? But the moment you get me to understand my guilt before God, I'm under divine wrath. Oh, now I tremble. What do I do? And then I said, there hangs the cross. That's the answer, sir. So you understand why people are not interested in the gospel? In the Christ in the church any longer? They don't feel guilty. Paul says that all the world may become guilty. Let me use one other illustration, then I'll come to close. Take columnist Ann Saunders. Someone writes to her and uh, tells her that they're feeling the burden of guilt and uh, want to know how to how to deal with it. 
And Saunders said that guilt is one of the most painful, self-mutilating, time, energy, consuming exercise of human experience. He said it can ruin your day, it can ruin your week, it can ruin your life. But if that is true, how do you deal with it? And here's her answer. Number one, remember that guilt is a pollutant. And we don't need any more pollutants. Now this is a woman advising a person who's under the weight of guilt. But just remember that guilt is a pollutant. We don't need any more pollutants. And then she went on to say, if you do something that's dishonest and hurtful and selfish and rotten, just remember, you did it because you were ignorant and stupid and lazy and thoughtless and weak and made of clear feet. In other words, when I do something that is wicked and bad and rotten and selfish, just say to myself, man, that's just ignorance, that's just foolish, that's laziness. No guilt. These are the columnists that are advising people who are writing to them daily to deal with their problems. Oh, my dear friend, I wish you would understand the real state of the modern world and why we are having such a battle getting people to really trust the true and the living Christ. Because we are living in a world where guilt virtually doesn't exist any longer. Now, if I had time this morning, I would trace how that came about that we come to this stage. But very briefly, number one, the first thing we did, we got rid of God. How do we get rid of God? An ex-priest called Charles Darwin came up with a pseudo-theory about evolution. One of the most stupidest theories you will ever read about. The evidence against evolution is so strong, I cannot believe that sensible men embrace it. Up till now. You know what I just read, I'm going to preach on tonight on dealing with the mind. I just read that the amount of traffic between your mind and the different cells in your mind. If you take all the radio stations, all the television of all the world, there's more activity going on in your mind than all of them. I mean, you think of... But you see, he gave a scientific theory where he made it seem as though there was an explanation for mankind apart from God. Natural selection, time chance. Against all the known laws of science, including thermodynamics 1, thermodynamics 2, the laws of life. All of those violate them. So we got rid of God. But if we get rid of God, we got to do something else. We still got this Bible. So we got to get rid of the Bible too. So what the liberals did in the 19th century, they now went into the Bible and tried to pick it apart. Try to find all kinds of faults in it and discredit the Bible so that the person, mankind now, no longer trusted the Bible. So every time you talk to a raster or you talk to one of them, you know what they say? The white man corrupt the Bible. You ever heard that one? Oh man, I hear it all the time. But the stupidity of that argument is this. When they tell me that, I said, do you know any Greek? Do you know any Hebrew? Do you know you can go online and call up all the texts, the Hebrew texts and the, and the, and the, and the Greek texts that was the, the, the Bible is translated from? And you can see that it's not corrupted. It's there. So long before the Bible was translated into English, you got all these Greek men that you can call up online. 
You see, if I can get rid of God, I get rid of the Bible. I can get rid of another thing. I get rid of sin. I get rid of sin. I get rid of another thing. I get rid of guilt. If I get rid of guilt, I get rid of another thing. I get rid of Christ. He's superfluous. I'm going to stop here. That's half the message, to be honest with you. I really wanted to show you. I, no, seriously, I really want to show you that even criminals, even criminals today, who has some of the worst criminal records, I want you to listen to their quotation when they get out of prison. When they went through therapy, what was the result of the therapy? And not one of them ever said, I found God. They always say, I found myself. I found my identity. Not one of them said, I repented of my guilt. There's no guilt to repent of. I just need to reclaim myself. That's where we are, my dear friend. And you and I are burying our heads in the sand. Burying our heads in the sand. If we don't understand the world in which we are living and preaching the gospel. Our method is wrong. It has been wrong for years. Wrong for years. We've got to look at the Pauline method. of It's the only biblical way of dealing with it. Deal with the man's guilt first. Get him to understand his guilt. Don't talk about God solving his problems, carrying his burdens, improving himself. Say to that person, you are a dirty, guilty sinner before God under divine wrath. And prove it to him. And until he feels the weight of that wrath and the weight of that guilt, he's not ready for Christ. You're forthright with him. I want to ask you in closing, I will stop here tonight, this morning. Have you ever, has it ever dawned on you? Have you ever have a sense that you may be right with your fellow man? You may, other people may admire you and speak highly of you. You may be in a, a position. Have ever ever dawned on you that in spite of that, that is just before man. Have you ever felt the weight of who you really are? You're not the person in the church this morning. You're not the person in that office when you go to work. That's not you. The real you in secret. What you put in your mind. What you watch. What you do in the darkness. That's you. Have you ever already understood that you have not truly served the Lord your God as God alone? That you have idols in your life that are more important than God? That your decision not based on what you think is God would have you do, but what? How would this advance me? How would this increase my bottom line? You are living a life with no reference to God whatsoever. You are a pagan, but you're just a modern pagan. And what about your moral life? What about your moral life? How many people's lives have you messed up? For one moment, tell me what passed through your mind this week, this past week. What pictures, what images? Did you relish? 
What did you take that did not belong to you? What did you say that was not true? Now you see, I know getting to the heart of the man. And I'm saying to you this morning, man stands guilty before God. He's under divine wrath. And the only thing that can bring him from under wrath is the cross. And by the way, the next sermon, I will show you the genius of God in solving this problem. Because here's a holy God and a sinful man. This God is holy. He must do what is right and just. But how can he forgive a sinful man and remain righteous himself? How did he solve that problem? Can you solve it? It took the genius of God to be able to justify man who's a sinner and remain just himself. And Paul will explain the miracle how that took place. I want to say to those who are sitting here this morning, I know you've got to leave. God has declared an amnesty to all men. A pardon. But until you see your need of that pardon and take that pardon, that pardon is no worth to you. Several years ago, many, many years ago, when I was in Bible school, man, that's so far, I can't even think about that right now. But I will never forget uh, an illustration that was used. And it was a real literal illustration that took place in America where a man had committed a capital crime. And uh, the people pleaded for him to be pardoned by the governor. And you know a governor can pardon. I think the PM could pardon. I think the governor general could pardon people here. So the man was pardoned. A letter of pardon or whatever the dog was sent to him. He was to be executed. And it was sent. He's pardoned. But do you know that when that letter of pardon was presented to the man, you know what he did? He said, I don't want it. I don't want it. I committed the crime. Let me pay for the crime. And do you know, legally, even though he was pardoned, he was executed? Unless you take the pardon, sir, it has no efficacy. It has no efficiency in it. So God offers a pardon. But until you see you need it and embrace it, your pardon has no effect on your guilt and your condemnation. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you understand that you are guilty as charged before God, the weight of that is on you. May I suggest to you, you need Christ. You need Christ. If you're here this morning, and in spite of what you've done, how you've lived, what you've thought, how you've come, there is no sense of guilt in you. I say to you, don't come to this altar. You're not ready yet, sir. You're not ready yet, man. Because without a sense of guilt, there's no need for pardon for you. And there's no need for Christ. Which group are you in this morning? If you are a person here this morning, and it's really, really 
help you to understand why man needs the gospel. You might have looked at yourself a different way when you came in here, but when you came in here and now they mirrored the word of God is, is really brought it to yourself. You really, you know, Pastor, if, that, if what you're saying is true, if what you, I'm in real trouble. I'm in real trouble. Now, if you know you're in trouble, well, you don't come to the judge. But the judge is now sitting on a throne, not a judgment, a throne of grace. while time lasts he offers you a pardon and amnesty why don't you come why don't you trust him be sure you join us again next time here on sermons of grace as pastor murphy shows us more about the purpose of the law if you'd like to contact pastor david murphy or grace baptist church please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.